And I'm John Deck. Now each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. Party on, Wayne. (laughs) Party on, Garth. That's right. This week we are watching Wayne's World from 1992, directed by Penelope Spirit. All Uh, right. All right, totally. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, This is one I haven't watched in a while. It's probably been... 10 or 12 years since I've seen this. Although I have both movies, both Wayne's World 1 and Wayne's World 2 on DVD, but I just haven't haven't had cause to watch it. Although I don't really know why I, I remember having a, you know, enjoyable experience watching this. Obviously, I've enough to have bought the box set, but... I feel like there's at least three or four of them. No, it's just the two. Isn't there the one where it's like there's Goldmember and... Um, uh, it's, there's another one. I'm trying to remember. That's Austin Powers. Isn't that the, all the same franchise, though? You would think, but no. Oh, okay. uh, to my knowledge, Dana Carvey is not in Wayne uh, in um, Austin Powers or in the Austin Powers franchise. I thought Dana Carvey was in the Austin Powers franchise because he plays his son. He wears that Seth Green mask, and he's like. Um, this unfair, Dad. You're blowing my mind right now. Do I need Car- to, like you probably don't examine. You probably I don't make. Well, well, I'm young. not a. I'm not a Hollywood. Calm insider. down! Stop yelling! No, um, <laughs> we're getting very violent. I love it. <laughs> I'm just trying to make the very obvious joke that Dana Carvey is really excellent with his vocal impressions, much like myself, um, as I've well established over time, I believe. So he could really be anyone at any time, and you'd have no way of knowing. Well, he proved that. Master, Master of Disguise. Of disguise. Woo! <laughs> We're on fire. We are on fire. Um, what I remember about this is, I mean, obviously, it's for those of you kids who don't know, uh, this is adapted from a recurring Saturday Night Live sketch about two guys with the cable access show. Back when cable access was a thing, I don't think it's still a thing. Um, they get a sponsorship or syndication deal or something like that. Uh, Mike Myers character, Wayne Campbell falls in love with T Carrera and let's face it. So did I, um, I remember lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of pop culture references to like the eighties and nineties, even outside of like this product placement bit that they did. I remember that. Uh, I mean, just like you're saying everything you said and, um, a lot of my memories are all like music cues. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, they're the ones who brought Bohemian Rhapsody back to the top of the charts uh, after it had been away for a little while. And and, and for, a, for a whole new generation yeah. of people. Which, of course, is, is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, like, um, but then like Foxy Lady, like I love, you know, stuff with Garth and then you have Tia doing their cover of Ballroom Blitz and like, so there's these great musical moments that are all, all woven throughout. But I have to say the moment that sticks out in my mind is I think his Wayne has an ex-girlfriend, is it named Stacy? 
I think it is Stacy. There's a moment where she's kind of stalking him and she like is on her bike and like hits the car and flies over the hood. And I have to say, as far as physical humor goes, that part sticks in my head as being amazingly hilarious. And so I'm looking forward to see once we get to that point, if I just kind of roll my eyes and go, oh, whatever, or if it's still genuinely funny. No, it's it's one of those ones where she gets hit by the car. She's like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And and you, everybody laughs because, I mean, physical humor is, is f- still funny to this day. But We'll see. Um, that's true. Uh, I, speaking of Stacy and and stalking Wayne and <clears throat> their their sort of defunct relationship, the the gun rack bit where she she gets him a gun rack for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that whole part to me was was pretty funny, at least at, at the time. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the. the- the thing that might not hold up well are going to be like the pop culture references from so long ago. I, I don't know if they're going to just seem kind of like, you know, blase at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of worried about some of those, those references or jokes in relation to those references landing uh, in, in kind of the same way that they did when I first watched this, but I'm, also sort of optimistic about it. Like, you know, maybe it'll be one of those, uh, sort of reminiscent or, uh, that other word that I'm, that I can't think of at the moment. Um, analogous. Yes, sure. That's, that's a word that you said. I don't know why you were thinking of that word. It makes no sense. But the thing that I'm thinking about is that, it really doesn't matter what year you were born or when you watch this because Abraham Lincoln is going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping or assuming that comes up as a reference. And I, you know, I mean, that's referencing old precedents always works out well. It does for sure. Um, let's go find out if, if these jokes land and if these, these references still hold up, uh, we're going to step away here and go watch this movie. And when we come back, we're going to talk about it. Uh, Uh, you are, Oh, go ahead, John. I was going to say that I I like to watch movies. (laughs) That that was another impersonation. I'm not gonna tell you, but maybe we'll get a clue about it later. Maybe we will. Uh, we're going to go watch this. Uh, I have it on DVD. I think John has it on DVD as well. It was recently on Netflix, but unfortunately I don't think it's there any longer. Uh, if you have access to it, go ahead and pause here and watch along with us and we'll be right back. Excellent. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we just watched Wayne's World. For those of you who are just joining us, I keep saying this. Uh, this is a really weird spot to start in the podcast. Go back to the beginning and start again. See, I actually tell everyone I know when they first listen that they want to load up the podcast, jump to about seven and a half minutes in, and just see what happens. So that's you who's doing yeah, that. Okay. So. Well, if you could not, that'd be great. Was that a Wayne's World quote? <laughs> yeah. If you could, <laughs> not. <laughs> not. That's a great idea. Not. 
Uh, hey, so we watched Wayne's World, and it's not a good movie. Wow, you just uh, you just laying it all out there. Yeah, just right, right out of the gate. I know uh, we've gotten many, many, many emails saying, "Why did not John just share his mind? What? Why doesn't he just say what he's really thinking?" And I figured, you know, not as good a time as any. Uh, Wayne's World, it's not a good movie. It's got some good moments. It's got a couple of great moments. It's got some fun little things here or there. But as a hour and 30 minute movie, it is just almost hard to watch. I don't I it, it just kind of dragged down. I was kind of hoping it would just, you know, all right, let's get to the end. Let's move on. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I I'm. I won't. I won't say I'm shocked, but I'm a little surprised. I, I thought this would wear a little better in my own esteem, but um, no, I, I just I didn't love it. See that that's kind of odd because that's not the way that it went for me. I felt a little more nostalgic with this. I had a fair bit of fun watching it. Uh, it and. I guess it doesn't play necessarily as a, a film. Like if you're if you're looking at it sort of from a uh, a critical or, or a uh, a technical perspective, like it's not it's not what you would call a classic film or anything like that. But it's it's a fun buddy comedy with a lot of one-liners strewn throughout. And when I say a lot, I mean this movie is basically just it's a series of one-liners, which in most cases wouldn't play, but when you have Mike Myers and Dana Carvey sort of doing it together, it feels right to me. And it it feels good and it feels See, it's, fun. I think something that just kind of took me aback this time around is for whatever reason I was just kind of annoyed with Mike Myers about 80% of the movie, like the, the delivery, the, the, the lines, the, the, the fourth wall breaking and the winking to the camera. Like it didn't have the kind of charm it once had. And, and I mean, I found myself uh, really enjoying Dana Carvey a lot, but uh, whenever Wayne was talking or had a line, it just felt like, overdone over delivered and it just it kind of annoyed me i was kind of shocked it's it's odd to me that you say over delivered because there was a lot of there were a lot of moments throughout and and maybe not that the entire movie obviously but there was you know here and there there were these times where the performance did feel genuine like uh when wayne and garth are uh like laying on the hood of the mirthmobile yeah. And Garth asked the question, like, you know, those times in Looney Tunes when Bugs Bunny stresses a girl bunny, did you ever get, you know, get, did it ever make, make you swing or whatever? Yeah. And like, Mike Myers has this like great belly laugh as he's saying no. And you can tell that, and it may not be like they might, might have done 30 lines to, to get that. But whatever it was that, Dana Carvey had said just before that, like struck Mike Myers in such a way that he had that, that great belly laugh and you could see that it was genuine. And he's like, see, no. you're, you're being unfair because you went right to one of the best moments. And so it's hard to judge because you're right. That was genuine. That was a, a great moment. You could tell they were just cracking each other up. It was like, I, I actually wonder if that was even maybe ad lib, you know, like just kind of came out of nowhere. Oh, 
I have no doubt that it was ad lib, but it's not the only time that it happened. Another example can be uh, when Wayne and uh, Cassandra are in bed and he's doing like the, the left camera, right camera or camera one, camera two, and then doing the dance around while she's on the phone with her drummer. Like that whole bit that he's doing there. Yeah, it was probably rehearsed. <sighs> but it can you hear me genuine. sighing? I'm sighing. I don't know. I mean, I didn't have that connection. I just didn't. Yeah, I, I, I rarely thought, yeah, this feels genuine. It feels like we're just seeing a couple of fun guys who are kind of crazy and having a good time. And, you know, they're Canadians and also what do we expect? Uh, but like, like when we have Mike Myers turning to the camera and being like, you know, what I'd really love is to do Wayne's World for a living. It might happen. Yeah, monkeys might fly out of my butt. Like, that that didn't make me even smile. I just kind of was like, okay, yeah, that, that's this isn't like I'm not into this. Like I'm just bored. Yeah, okay, and and there's there are moments like that too. Like there there's there are some dialogue moments or or scripting moments that do feel sort of stilted and like something that they probably shot forty times and. Mike Myers or Dana Carvey or whoever happened to be in front of the camera at the moment was just fucking tired of doing it. And so that's, that, that was the best take that they got. And you know, that's fine. Like this isn't, I, I'm sure this wasn't nominated for any awards or anything like that, but there were the, the, on the whole, at least for me, most of this movie stood up. See, I'm not I'm not going to hold it to the standard that it should be some award winning film. And I know I mean, it's it's a Saturday Night Live skit that was made an hour and a half long. It's not I'm not expecting, you know, Apocalypse Now or something. Uh, but like when I'm watching this, I want a cohesive movie that has a beginning, middle and end. And that follows a certain if it's going to be just what it is and kind of funny and one liners and stuff. I, I kind of would like the the flow of it to be smoother. Instead, I just feel like there's a bunch of different bits that are set up, but not much tying it together. And so as a result, as it starts to wear on me a little bit, I feel a little, okay, let's just get done with this. I mean, admittedly, there are great quotes. There are great lines. There are moments that made me kind of chuckle. Um, so they even have bits that start off not funny that are, kind of tiresome and then they save it and there's an instance where they go to the new studio where they have the new technology the the green screen screen recordings and they're doing the bit where they're like oh hey now i'm in a different city and all that and at first i'm just like i i'm i'm not interested i'm in, not into it and then they get to delaware <laughs> and he just says hi i'm, I'm in delaware, delaware. <laughs> and that was probably the loudest that I, I laughed in the whole movie. And I was like, that was just genuinely funny. It was a great setup and I enjoyed it. So like that happened more than once. There were several times where there were moments that were good and I liked it. There were moments that were like nostalgia ridden, like Bohemian Rhapsody in the car where I didn't have the impact when I first saw it and loved it back then, but now I still could enjoy it. It was good. Um, but yeah, it just felt like a, uh, almost like Saturday Night Live, where they sometimes have a good premise and they drag it out a bit too long and then it's not as great anymore, um, or where they jump from, you know, skit to skit. And so it didn't feel like that great of a movie to me. It just felt like uh, a collection of some nice little skits that are kind of smushed together, but wasn't much of a cohesive story or unit. 
Um, I don't know. I might be too critical. Maybe I was just, you know, cranky when I was watching it. It's hard to tell nowadays. That's true. I mean, as you get old, you get more cranky. That's just that's how life is. Um, once I, once I hit 85, all of a sudden everything was annoying to me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and maybe I sort of feel the same way in terms of like the, the buildup and the, the cohesion and things like that. But I just sort of ran with it maybe where you didn't. And cause that's not really your bag. Like I, I'm, I I play a little more fast and loose with stuff like that and and kind of like to let things just sort of be what they are and yeah. and view them f- f- sort of through that lens and I don't think you really like to do that. You know, it's so weird because I would have argued that with you even a few years ago, I would have been like, no, that's not how I look at, you know, movies and stuff. But I mean, <laughs> let's let's listen to the last 12 podcasts and see if, if that's <laughs> if that's true. No, I, I do think I I tend to, to be uh, a bit more critical and, and demand a certain something from movies I'm watching. Um, and, and again, it doesn't always mean. I demand perfection or I demand Shakespearean, you know, level sonata, sonatas, no sonnets. Uh, but, but whatever that thing is, uh, it's, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there where you're, you're more accepting. You just kind of take it as a whole and you, you roll with it for what it was intended to be. And maybe I just, uh, I'm a little bit, a little bit critical of, of things, <laughs> maybe just a little bit, maybe a little too much for your own good. Uh, <laughs> let's uh let's talk about some of the good moments here there that, were no good read. moments you are full of shit okay, you yeah, liar true. um that there was one moment in uh the the coffee shop that they like to go hang out at where they're all just sort of sitting there and uh was it when stacy walks up and everybody's just sort of like drinking coffee or drinking out of a cup or whatever and garth has like a a boston cream (laughs) or a jelly donut and he's drinking out of that with a straw like he has a straw plugged into it i just it was the first time i've ever noticed it in any time that i've ever watched wayne's world and it i just i I really yeah i think i i paused at one point and i called my wife into the room because she's she's watched wayne's world a hundred times too and I was like, you have to watch what Garth is doing. I don't think you've ever seen this before. And she's like, oh, my God, is he drinking out of a donut? Yeah, I mean, I really think, like I was saying, like Dana Carvey overall was maybe the the greatest revelation to me watching it now. Like, And, of course, he had a lot of, like, bigger moments where he's, like, playing the drum set and stuff. And I like to play. And it's <laughs> like, all that, that, like, that's great. But, like, it was the little tiny things, or maybe not even little, but understated where – every single time he tries to avoid conflict and made me laugh. So yeah. whenever, whenever he's like, Hey, what's that over there? And then he like wanders away and um, <laughs> just like all these little things he did or like whenever his dream girl would pop up and he'd like be physically knocked off his chair by the like, camera. Yeah. Like the, the delivery, his reaction to it, just that stunned look of surprise that it happened again. Like I fell. <laughs> it was just perfect. Like, so all those little moments, like his delivery, the way the subtle reaction to it for such a, a zany character, he had a lot of little bits that he added to it that made it great. Sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. 
Um, so speaking of sort of bigger moments, someone who I wish had a couple of bigger moments, and I, I don't know why they didn't sort of include this character more, but Ed O'Neill's character, yeah, he like he's he's so kind of out of place, at least in terms of his lines in the movie, but he's so fucking good in everything. And I just wish like we got another three lines out of Ed O'Neill. Yeah. It, it, it reminded me, have you seen the Saturday night life skit where Bill Hader is, is learning how to do puppetry? Oh, I may have. If not, it's worth a, a rewatch for you and anyone else. Cause I think it's hilarious. And it's just, you have a classroom of people learning how to, to work with puppets and they're all being like, Oh, I've got a goofy voice. And you get to him and it's just like him talking. He's like, yeah, I remember in Nam, I had to kill 10 people. And and, it, <laughs> and everyone's looking at him like, what? And, <laughs> that That is exactly Ed O'Neill in this movie. Yeah. And so uh, that's what it made me think of that, that like out of nowhere, you just have some guy that's like, yeah, but when you, you do this, it's like murder. And and then they just cut back to like, oh, hey, whoa, look at me, swing. And you're like, wait, what? But wait, rewind. 10 seconds. <laughs> you, don't get to, you don't get to talk to the camera. Only Garth and I get to do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, I agree. I think uh, he would have been uh, a lot more fun to explore. And then I thought you might be leading up to saying they should have had a little more Chris Farley. Because when can you? Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that, too. Um, I was actually surprised to see Chris Farley in this because I didn't remember him being in it. Uh, so, But I would have totally loved to see more of him. As, and especially with his physical brand of comedy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like he, he sort of like he does this sort of like muscle thing and like there's a quick point and then like changes direction but I, I feel like he could have probably been in there more and like doing that whole oh no I fell and I injured myself or whatever yeah I really feel like like it was right at that point where they knew him from, from Saturday Night Live maybe they were friends but he hadn't quite proven how amazing he is at you know the simple little bits of physical comedy that earned him you know could have gotten another minute or two in the movie, but yeah, just, just the way he walked with his shoulders forward, just like, all right, let's move over. It's like, it was just funny. And so I was a little, was. A little bit sad. There wasn't more of that. Um, they, they have these, these moments in this movie where they, they sort of make references to other kind of pop culture stuff. And it's not necessarily timely for the movie, but it still works. Like when, uh, when Wayne and Garth go to Milwaukee to go see Alice Cooper, they do this little Laverne and Shirley yeah. bit through, you know, like if anybody, anybody listening, if you've ever watched uh, Laverne and Shirley, they do sort of the intro bit from Laverne and Shirley. And if you've never seen it, I'm sure you can find it on the YouTubes. Um, they, they do another one, a, a nice Terminator two reference yeah. where they actually bring in uh, Robert Patrick, uh, which is uh, that that was probably one of the more fun moments to me when he's like, have you seen this boy? And he's like, ah, drives away. Um, that, that was, that was one of the, uh, the, the more enjoyable bits to me, I think. Yeah. I, I really like those moments as well. And they, they layer in well with our whole, like seeking out nostalgia and wondering how we connect with it now, because I mean, I guarantee you if like, well, I can't guarantee you, but there. Are, I think of like my younger brother or something. If he watched Wayne's World, I don't know if he's ever seen it before, 
But I wonder, A, would he like it? And B, would like half of it go completely over his head because they're just social references that are not tied to anything he is into or has watched. And so it's like, how much of that translates and how much of it do you have to be in the know? And I'm totally cool with there being tons of inside jokes that you just may not get. Um, I mean, that's fine with me. And I, I, I liked most of them. Yeah, no, I, 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 there were even some that I didn't catch just because maybe I, I wasn't you know, privy to that particular thing, or maybe I was too young to get it because it was an older reference. But there was stuff, my son probably watched half of this before I kicked him out of the living room and made him go like, get ready for bed. Um, th- there was stuff that they said that, that were like cultural references that he totally got and laughed at. So, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily restricted to one I guess, age group or, or demographic. Like a lot of the stuff I felt like held up. He even got like the, the no stairway denied joke uh, <laughs> where, you know, Wayne's, Wayne's trying to buy the strat and, you know, he starts to play it and he begins playing stairway to heaven. And the dude's like, Oh, Hey, hey no, no, no. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think a lot of guitar centers and various music shops put up similar <laughs> signs after this movie came out. Oh, I have no doubt. I also liked, I mean, even talking about inside jokes or moments or whatever, that like in the beginning when uh, Rob Lowe and his girlfriend, Ione Sky, woohoo, um, <laughs> when they were watching TV, some of those little commercials they were flipping through, obviously some were made for the movie, um, but there were a couple that were actual local. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and I recognized some of them as, oh, those are some local commercials that I remember being on. Oh, that's I didn't know like how many of those were actually real or not. So that's super. And like I got the the clapper commercial, but I, I uh, I'm guessing like the the dude who's pointing to like cities on the map that that that's probably yeah, genuine. That was, that was real. That was Empire Carpets, and, yeah. and they went national. But at the time, they were just local, and everyone knew their jinko was five eight eight two three hundred Empire. Oh yeah, and no, like, I know that. But that's, I mean, chances are you know that from when they went national and sure. like they added an 800 to the front of the jingle. But it's like, I was like, oh, yeah, no, they had that feel like that if you're flipping through and, you know, finding commercial stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, they really are watching cable access, you know, in, in yeah. Aurora. This makes sense. I liked it. Uh, no, I totally got that feel as well. If that that opening scene there, I think, was was really well done in that regard. Um, Something I was surprised at, too, which. Um, I don't know if this, you know, where this comes from or, or what kind of importance this has, but I did not remember uh, Tia Crair's band having so many different musical numbers. No, I only remembered maybe one or two. Like as they played them, I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember this. But like, if you'd asked me right beforehand, I would have been like, is there one or is, I think no, there's two. Like when he first meets her, and then at the end, you know, when she's wearing the red dress, like, like that's those are the two that I would have remembered. I didn't know there was another two or three in the middle, and it's like. I, there was nothing bad about them, but it, it reminded me a little bit of say like the last dragon. Okay. Where <laughs> it was a movie made, you know, by Barry Gordy and it, had, you know, was promoting certain groups and bands. And obviously this wasn't, you know, just a, Hey, let's thrust, you know, this band into the spotlight and force us to watch five minute long music videos like they do in the last dragon. But uh, it, it was again, one of those moments where I was like, well, this is, this is interesting. Like this is definitely a lot more, uh, songs than i would have thought no and they 
like most of them are are full length or close to full length songs, but they they intermix like dialogue and stuff into them too, so it doesn't feel like sort of an ad or a music video or anything like that. Yeah, um, the Ala the Last Dragon. Uh, <laughs> but one thing I I found sort of interesting, or at least it seemed to me, and I haven't looked this up, uh, was it seemed like Tia Carrera was singing all those songs. Like it, it didn't seem like it was voiced over or dubbed over by another singer. It, it seemed to me like it was her voice. It would be a little bit odd that they'd feature her so heavily singing if they were dubbing another person singing over all the songs. I'm not saying it's impossible, but yeah, I agree. I, I My guess would be that it was her, but I don't know one way or another. Well, I say that because a lot of times, like if you have a band in a movie or a TV show, it's usually an actor who's heavily featured throughout the show but they have no singing voice or they're they're not talented enough to hold their own on a stage or or playing an instrument or singing a song and so they they'll usually get a voice actor to come in or or a singer to come in to uh to to dub over that like uh disney movies are a great example like especially in the 90s you had a lot of actors who couldn't really sing all that well so you know ariel or princess jasmine or aladdin would be played by a person and then they'd be sung by somebody else yeah no you're you're absolutely correct on some levels but i think some of those singers were also actors okay no i have nothing to say <laughs> about that no you're <laughs> i was trying to follow a certain train of thought it just took off i don't know where it went but um but yeah no you're you're absolutely right i was actually trying to remember the name of the character that uh me driver played in in, in um, oh in golden eye um yeah in, in, what was her name i can't remember but uh, it doesn't matter I, but that was actually a different singer providing that horrible singing it was voice, you're right which i think is hilarious because i mean whether you're a singer or not you could just belt out some crazy sounding you know, off-key karaoke noise. Uh, but no, they got someone to do that part, so I thought that was funny. Yeah, it was... Uh, it, it's going to bother me now if I don't look it up. So, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, the sound of keyboard keys. And... <laughs> Irina. Yeah. Oh, the best part of that movie. Now I feel better. Uh <laughs> There was a there was a line that uh, that Garth delivered as they were outside the TV station when everything was starting to sort of like they they, they were trying to stop Benjamin from doing what he's doing and like get Mister Big to come and see uh, Cassandra's performance and uh, the 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 bigger bald dude who's friends with Benjamin or is like his, his partner or whatever is like no no no. Benjamin's my friend. Garth's like, Benjamin is nobody's friend. If Benjamin were an ice cream flavor, he'd be pralines and dick. And for some reason, I laughed so hard at that line, and I don't know why. It just felt. Oh, like I think one I know why. I think I know why. That, that Garth delivered. You're who you are, and I, when I heard that line, just went, eh. <sighs> it, "It's that." Well. F- well, fine. 
I mean, I just have finer things. I watch this movie with my tea set and I, I play classical music louder than the dialogue in the movie. And I was just like, mm-hmm. and then eating time eating charcuterie. And yeah, this one time and I was watching it. And as I watched the movie, uh, Mike Myers came up to my TV screen and asked me for Grey Poupon. And I was like, wait a minute. What are you trying? To, are you saying I'm too highbrow, Michael Myers? If that's even your real name? <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I, I think that, that that line is an example of hit or miss. It, it's a line where it's kind of like it felt just set up like this wasn't ad-libbing where they're just going back and forth and insulting people and having fun. It just felt like I've got this funny line that I want to that I want to put in here. So let's just kind of cram it in place. And and that's fine. Like you're you're entitled to your wrong opinion, but um, that's I I, I laughed. I laughed a, a good hearty laugh. See, I think it works better when it's weirder. I think, and so the things that I think also connected or that I enjoyed were where they like tease at this whole thing of Garth being like way smarter than what it seems when he's talking about bouncing signals off satellites and, and like his whole plan to get Mr. Big to listen to the, or to see the, that particular episode of Wayne's world. And it's like all that stuff, like that was obviously all contrived and it was just all laid out and it was just kind of thrown in there. But that made me kind of chuckle because it's like, when he's like, "Yeah, it's almost too easy," and I'm like, "Yeah," they, they they do they do bits like that for Garth a couple of times. Like the one of the 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 sort of other big time that they do it is when Benjamin's going to talk to him in the studio, and he's like working on some robotic hand. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're having a moment there, and he's just like, "Okay," and then the, the hand starts moving, and he starts hitting it with a fucking hammer. Like that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I I eat that stuff up. That was a, a lot more fun for me. Just the, the absolute weirdness of it, and and even the, the the unexpected, which even if it could feel just a little bit forced, is still a lot of fun. Because like Miles Cooper starts talking about <laughs> getting into the you know the history of Milwaukee and and like they like to do that subverting expectations thing, and and that can be a lot of fun too. Where you're not expecting, and then all of a sudden we have you know a minute and a half of the history of. Uh, of what went on, you know, throughout Milwaukee. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and th- that I, I enjoyed a lot as well. Like, because it, it wasn't just him in on it. It was him and like his whole sort of entourage. And there, there's like, there's there's a point in the dialogue where Wayne's like, wow, can this guy party or what? And everyone looks at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, he's, t- he's t- giving you this great bit of information. Um. It, it, it turns into a really awkward moment, but it, it works really well for this scene. Yeah, and it, like like you're saying, like the, everybody else was just hanging on his every word, and and like and Wayne's character just wants to be like, "All right, let's change topics." Like, "Hey, who wants to party?" And and they're like, "It's interesting to hear about French missionaries and explorers and all this stuff." It's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and it, I, I just had a thought, and it went away. Shit. It happens to me constantly. Uh, I just had another one like that was really good. I mean, it was hilarious. So sorry, everyone. It's gone. Yeah. Well, they can't all be winners or they can. And then we lose them. Uh, One thing I I thought was interesting too, not to skip to the end of the movie, but um, in the credits, there were like post credit scenes. 
and oh, yeah. you didn't see that a whole lot. Like we saw it in stripes, I think, uh, with with just sort of like the the magazine covers and stuff like that. But they were like sort of sort of full fledged thirty second dialogue bits in the, a couple of them in the the postcards. I don't know if you watched long enough to see them, but I did. I I didn't remember them being there, but I had this weird inclination that if if a movie was going to have something like that this would make sense and and so even yeah having that mid-credit break and then the very very end it's even when it fades to black and they say oh i bet it's going to end when it fades to black but then they keep talking after it fades to black and it's like (laughs) it was a very meta moment um which you know following up their three different endings you wouldn't think that they're going to have another meta moment you know beyond above that but Right, but which uh, the the three endings thing I thought was sort of fun. It was a little, it was a little kind of stilted or contrived, but I thought it was it was still kind of fun. Yep, I mean it's it's like this. It to me, I mean what, how you described it, I, I feel the same way. But I do feel it was consistent with the feel and, and theme of the movie. Like if anything, the movie was definitely consistent. It, it was what it was. It wasn't. It wasn't trying to be anything more or less. It was exactly what it was. And sometimes for me, it delivered great. And sometimes it just felt, I felt a little bit bored. Well, and going back to our earlier, like the earlier part of our conversation, like I think that's why I had fun with it is because I, I went into it sort of knowing what to expect. Like the, I knew that this movie was this movie. It it wasn't some, some kind of like masterpiece or it wasn't trying to be something you know, more, more funny or more dramatic or more smart or more anything than it, than it was like, and I wanted, yeah, I wanted it to be more like game of Thrones where every single minute was perfect and nobody can argue about that. You know how everyone loved it equally throughout evenly. Um, it has to be more like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I've only ever watched the first season of game of Thrones. So uh, don't, nobody, nobody, nobody hit me up and say, why haven't you watched all of Game of Thrones? I haven't because fuck you. That's why. Um, I will eventually. I'm sure. Well, you'll just have to take my word for it that everybody loved it equally and evenly throughout its entire run. That sounds right. That sounds yep. like what the entire internet has told me. Yep. Um, that the entire run, all eight seasons have, were perfect in every way. So speaking of changing gears, um, do you remember when Wayne's World came out? Um, I, I'm trying to remember like their their little bit they went on like sponsors and like I wouldn't bow to that. And as he holds up the Pizza Hut lid and goes through like yeah yeah yeah. Was that the, uh, was that like was a, that what? Oh, sorry, we're <laughs> double talking. Go ahead. Um, was that something? I mean, it, I think it was funny at the time, but was it? Was it a controversial? For some reason, I have this weird recollection of like that being talked about or mentioned, but I don't know if it was just because it was funny or if there was something else that went on that like they got in trouble for that. No, I think that um, what what it was was they they tried to sort of incorporate the what the the, the Benjamin the Rob Lowe character was doing. Uh, with what was sort of becoming prevalent in movies at the time, like product placement was just really starting to get big, um, like on purpose product placement where it was paid for advertisement. And so they, they just sort of like 
leaned into that and said, oh, okay, cool. So if we're going to do this, then we're just going to kind of, we'll throw in Pizza Hut and we'll throw in Reebok and, you know, Pepsi or whatever and make it a funny thing rather than just leaving it at, no, we're not corporate sellouts. We're not going to do it. And I, and I think that the joke is more, we're not corporate sellouts, but Hey, by the way, in this movie about us not being corporate sellouts, here's some pizza hut and some Reebok and some, some Pepsi. I thought it was kind of funny that almost every product that they featured were like versions of products in a certain genre that I really am not interested in. <laughs> like, I don't really like Pizza Hut. I don't drink Pepsi. I don't wear Reeboks. It was just like, it was almost like a reverse prophecy of things that, you know, I wouldn't want to be associated with. No, and and that it's sort of the same for me too. Like I, when I order pizza, it's usually like a mom and pop place. Um, on the very, very rare occasion that I drink cola, it's Coke and not Pepsi because Pepsi is garbage. Um, and like the Reebok thing I could sort of take or leave. Like I, 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 we had another thing sort of going on back in the the early nineties too, where it was like this, this kind of war over your, your wallet. Like it was Coke versus Pepsi and Pizza Hut versus Domino's and Reebok versus Nike versus Adidas. And like there were they got to the point with these advertising campaigns that they did, which was actually really brilliantly done, I think, like where they actually polarized people and uh, and young people in particular, like even like elementary and, and middle school age, like they got these kids to like basically argue with each other over which was better and it, in reality it's all the same shit but like they got people worked up over it yeah i mean that's that's why i think we should all just pack up and put away all of our electronics stop listening to the internet stop watching tv and go live in a uh box van in a van down by the river down by the river and uh, that way we can all become pure again. Um, yeah, it's a, it's it's just a shame to see what's happened to our society since then. Because back in '92, we're kind of at the height of you know everything being cool in the world, and now everything's just completely screwed up. Yep, it's all Pepsi's fault. Garbage. Yeah. Yep, it is all Pepsi's fault. I blame Pepsi for everything. All of the ills of the world are. The fault of Pepsi. Well, now that we've completely ruined the one sponsorship that we had, sorry, I didn't wasn't able to get to that yet. But yes, we are of course are now oh, officially well, sponsored by Pepsi for one episode. Apparently, um, it's the choice of a new generation. Yeah, it, it, it's swing low, sweet chariot. Isn't that one of their taglines? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so now that now that we've gotten that little mini commercial out of the way, that was our own product. Like, I'm bowing now. You can't, probably can't see it. Um, so I think we did excellent with that. Um, we've covered the movie. I think you loved it, or at least liked it. You love parts of it. I, I would say liked. Yeah. And uh, I I was impatient with it, and I, I didn't love it cohesively, but I definitely loved moments throughout. Well, I would say if you're if you're one of the more John inclined type viewers. Um, I would say still give it a chance. Uh, you, you may find some stuff that you like, even if you don't like the whole thing. Uh, if you're a, a bit more Anthony than John, 
uh, you'll you'll have quite a bit of fun with this. And I mean, if you're more of an anthem, uh, you might as well just throw in Boss Baby on Netflix. You'll be equally entertained. How fucking <laughs> dare you? Boss Baby was mediocre at best. <laughs> you can't even commit to saying it was horrible. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, no, I was going to ask ahead. if you have one of your patented closing out the show deep thought reflection questions yeah i do i have a final Mm -hmm. question tm um this uh this is a bit broad but i think it's uh still quite applicable uh so this this movie i would say falls under the category of buddy comedy uh what is because it's obviously not wayne's world what is your favorite buddy comedy or at least your favorite sort of comedy fictional character duo? Whew. Now that is a good question. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Um, if you've got something in your chamber, go ahead and fire that off. Cause I got to think about that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's, there's so many out there and especially in the nineties, like or, or like sort of eighties, nineties, like you had, Bill and Ted's uh, sort of an easy one to go to. Um, pe- some people will probably not agree with me on this, but probably one of my favorites is Jay and Silent Bob. Um, especially in like Dogma, I thought they were uh, a lot of uh, a pretty funny sort of duo to watch. Uh, and like mall rats and stuff like that. Like um, they were sort of part of my, my kind of comedy formative years. So that's probably why I'm sort of leaning into that one. I do believe I have an answer, actually two answers. I'd, I'd say the two duos that I've kind of probably connect to the most or that I enjoy the most one um, would be the blues brothers. Well, that's a good one. And one would be uh, David Spade and Chris Farley. Uh, oh, prefer- yeah. Preferably in Tommy Boy, but I'd even take a little bit of Black Sheep if I had to. You mean Tommy Boy 2? Exactly. Because that's what Black Sheep was, was Tommy Boy 2. No, it wasn't. It pretty much was. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's, it's so, yeah. Al- alternate universe Tommy Boy is what it was. But notice how I didn't say Richard and Tommy. I said Chris Farley and David Spade. So, yeah. like, it's that that duo, the the two of them together. I love that as well as um, the the old school Blues Brothers. I don't really need uh, Jim Belushi stepping in with John Goodman, and yeah, it's like stuff like that. I just don't need. Yeah, uh, the 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 Blues Brothers two thousand was sort of a stretch. Like there there were we're, we're not going to go on a whole tangent there, but. There were a couple of good moments, like Kenny Wayne Shepherd being in there was was cool, and sort of the the a couple of the themes were good. But on the whole, I'll I'll go classic Blues Brothers. We should watch Blues Brothers and Tommy Boy this year. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. We'll get them on the list. Uh, I'll write into the Memory Distillery at gmail dot com. Wow, what a segue! <laughs> uh, Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. That's our show, everyone. Uh, please make sure to uh, subscribe to us and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or 
Google Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. Uh, we release new episodes every Monday, so please make sure to uh, subscribe so you get every new episode as we distill another favor from our past. And uh, as I was alluding to just a moment ago, uh, if you yourself are listening to an episode or just have some idea, like, you know, I think I'd love to hear them talk about this movie or maybe I can get myself on the show if I become their best friends. Uh, feel free to start the journey by uh, checking us out on Facebook or writing us at the memory distillery at gmail.com. And um, as long as we're talking about Wayne's world, a movie that has excellent music with throughout, I want to mention destroying the evidence, which is the name of a song by the band semaphore. Uh, we use it uh, throughout our podcast as you hear each and every week, and you should go ahead and check them out. They're pretty awesome. They are. Uh, I also want to uh, want to mention to you guys real quick. Um, we appreciate you guys so much for listening every week and and uh, joining us. We would love for you to share the memory distillery with a friend or a loved one or a colleague to get the word out there and, and get get the the still uh, filled up, as it were. Or if you really want to freak someone out, like go to the grocery store and just like make like a handmade business card that says, listen to the podcast, The Memory Distillery, and then like tape a $20 bill to it and just slide it into someone's pocket. But don't tell them that you're doing it. And we'll just see what happens. That's that's sound advice. That's, that's not illegal, crazy. right? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, as long as you don't physically touch them, if it's just the card that touched them, I think it's okay. Um, I could be wrong about that. I'm not a lawyer. All right. I am not a lawyer. John is not a lawyer. All right. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I am John Deck. And this has been the Memory Distillery. Ice chips. I'm hard everywhere.